What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Wanda Thibodeau, and this is Faithful on the Clock, the podcast all about getting your faith and work aligned. Today, I'm covering a monster topic for you, work-life balance. Do you really need it? Is it just a myth? And I'm going to give you some quick tips on how to get off the teeter-totter. This is one you do not want to miss, so let's jump right in. All right, everybody. So I got to start by telling you a kind of a funny story. When I was a little kid in elementary school, and I can't even believe I remember this, but I do, we had these teeter-totters on the playground, and they weren't just these little guys. They were these huge monster things. And at least, you know, when you're a kid, they look huge, right? And I would go and watch people go on these things, and I was like, how do you even do that? because I was a pretty puny kid, I will admit, and it didn't matter who else I tried to go on with, I was always terrified because they were always bigger than me and I'd get to the top and their end of the teeter-totter would actually hit the ground and I'd actually bounce and almost fall off. And in a lot of ways, I kind of feel like that's how this whole work-life balance idea feels too. You know, You know, it's something that everybody tells you that you've got to have a handle on, but you can still feel like you're getting bounced around a lot. Like, uh, you know, you're not really solid or sure if you're going to be okay. And even if you can see that hit to the ground coming, it's still terrifying. So I just want to say, if that's where you, you know, you're on that teeter-totter and you're just trying your best to hold on, I think the first thing I'd really like you to understand is that work-life balance isn't really a teeter-totter at all. I do think that that's a myth. There are just too many things that kind of bleed over and interfere with each other. And I think, especially with COVID-19, that it became really obvious that there's not a clear black and white line between the office and home. So if you're into sports or athletic analogies, I see work-life balance more like you're trying to move around on a BOSU ball or something like that, where it's more circular, and you've got to adjust as you get fatigued. And the balance is way more complicated and you got to engage a ton more things. And so in that sense, it's not really about managing two parts of your life or pivoting back and forth. It's more about, uh, you know, across the board, however things interconnect, that you're able to recognize that you need to recuperate before you can go after it again. And more importantly, that once you recognize that you need to recuperate, that you actually do something about it. So it's very much tied to constant self-awareness and the ability to just pace yourself. Because, you know, maybe your tolerance isn't the same from one day to the next. And you have to be willing to look and admit that you're not growing or applying yourself at your maximum potential and to make a change. And that's different, I think, than the usual view because it stays very in the moment. Um, You know, the traditional view of work-life balance, I think, is more focused on being proactive and trying to manage your time or resources well ahead of time to prevent problems. Now, all that said, we do have examples in scripture that show that there's real value in work and not being idle, like Proverbs 31, for example, that talks about the virtuous woman. And in Luke 5, verse 5, when the disciples were fishing, we see that God sometimes does ask us to do just a little more work so he can reveal something amazing. That verse says, Simon said, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. 
So sometimes you have to trust even when you're tired and be obedient. And then in Proverbs 14, verse 23, that reads, All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. So in other words, you can't just give it all lip service. All the plans in the world don't really mean that much if you don't follow through. You have to do something and act. And in Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3, we're called to stay the course and persevere, at least in the sense of faith and being a follower. But Jesus, I think, had wonderful self-awareness. You know, it didn't matter what he was trying to do or who he was with. He was always willing to step back, to get away from it, and just say, I'm not doing any more right now. And, you know, he wasn't saying, oh, I quit. He was just saying, I know I need to restore myself to keep going on the journey. And one of the easiest things I think Jesus did that we can all apply is that when he realized he couldn't go anymore, he got away from everything to spend time with God and mentally, physically, and emotionally refuel. He totally shifted the environment so he didn't have distractions weighing him down or draining him. Uh, Mark 1 verse 35, for example, says that he got up, left the house when it was still dark, and then went off to a solitary place to pray. And this wasn't just a one-time thing either, which is really important to note. Um, Luke 5 verse 16 says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So whether you take some vacation time or you just duck into an empty conference room for a minute, don't stay where the stress is. Go to a place where you can strip everything bare, just be yourself, and ask God for whatever it is you need. Because, you know, it's not really rest. It's not really, um, it's not really recovery unless you've completely set down the load that you've been carrying. And then secondly, in Genesis 2, verse 2, we see too that God rested. And I think you have to remember that even though God took that seventh day off, so to speak, he didn't do it because he was tired. Uh, he doesn't get tired the way that we do. He didn't need a break in that sense. But in the whole story of creation, every single day, he'd look back at what he'd done and he took time to reflect and acknowledge how good it was. And I think on that seventh day, he was just doing that again, looking at the sum of all those days together. So I think part of rest and work-life balance is looking back like that, you know, just hitting pause and taking stock of all the good stuff God's been able to do. And Jesus would go out to pray, or even in the Old Testament with believers like King David, you see them praising God. Even in Job, where, you know, Job just got hammered with all of these bad things. Job still praised God. Because when those people praised God for everything, they were able to remind themselves just how much God already had achieved and is capable of. And it gave them strength to keep going, even when things looked bleak. And then third, just make sure you know what your goals are. You know, when Jesus came, he had one purpose and he absolutely knew what it was. He totally committed to it. But I think for us, it's a lot messier. Um, a lot of the time people struggle with work-life balance, I think, because every opportunity looks so shiny. That fear of missing out or social pressure kicks in and they do, um, you know, they, they do whatever they feel they might need rather than what they really want or feel called to do. They get distracted. Um, but you don't have to do everything. You just have to ask God what your individual purpose is and stay the course. And then lastly, coming back to that whole self-awareness idea, go ahead and do some mindfulness tracking. You know, take the time to ask yourself on a regular basis, 
How do you really or physically feel emotionally? Because if those things start to dip, that's a big red flag that it's time to recharge a little. And you can actually use that tracking to learn what your personal limits are and to decide what to do. Don't compare yourself to anyone else with that or try to judge yourself by some external norm or standard. Just figure out where you personally feel good and where you don't. So to summarize everything, if you want good work-life balance, number one, take charge of the environment and try to get into a place where it's just you and God with no distractions. Number two, praise God. Take time to reflect and focus on what's good. Number three, key in on what your goals are. Stay out of the weeds and don't take on every opportunity just because it's there. And number four, track how you're doing so you can spot your tendencies and limits and create the good boundaries that you need. So let me just wrap it all up with a bow and take a second to pray. God, all of us have so much to juggle. And so often I think it feels like as we're trying to keep it all together, we're just one big bounce from falling on our face. Challenge us and work through us, but let us see all the incredible ways that we can rest in you and help us be aware when we should charge forward and when we need to just stop. Show us what our purpose is so that we don't get distracted from it and remind us every day that there is no work more important than the things you call us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. That's the end of the show. Whew, I said a lot today. Uh, gave you a lot to think about, I hope. Next week in episode seven, I'm talking about failure. We're gonna cover why it's not the end of the world and show you how to get through it just like some of God's biggest warriors did. So join me for that in one week, everybody. And until next time, be blessed. Like what you heard and want even more great Christian business content? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash faithful on the clock to become a supporting member for the show. You'll get access to options like early episode access, bonus episodes, videos, Bible studies, curated articles, and more in a tier plan that's right for you. Show your support for this podcast, and remember, enormous change can start with you.